is dedicated to each and every one of you who appreciate a great glass of wine. You know what I mean? Monday, let's raise a glass to the beginning of another week. It's time to unscrew, uncork, or savor a bottle, and let's begin exploring the wine glass. Today, I am sharing a wonderful trade tasting I attended in New York City. The Charming Taste of Europe is a project that brings together the wine from Italy and France, as well as fresh fruit from Greece. The presentation was hosted by Susanna Gold of Vignetto Communications and Abruzzo Brand Ambassador. The event was held at El Gattopardo Restaurant in mid-December. The event space is beautiful, but the acoustics leave a bit to be desired. So the sound quality of this episode is not stellar, but I promise it is worthy of your time to listen. Before we get to the podcast, I'd like to wish everyone a very happy new year. Let's raise a glass as a toast to the future, a toast to the past, and a toast to our friends that are far and near. May the best day of your past be the worst day of your future. Slancha. Hey everybody, I'm Lori Budd, a UC Davis winemaking program, someday service, champagne specialist, and WSET level 2 graduate. You can find Exploring the Wine Glass on all the socials, as well as your favorite podcast catchers. If you haven't subscribed yet, now's the perfect time to swipe, subscribe, rate, and review. I promise I'll never tell you what to drink, but I'll always share what's in my glass. Welcome. This tasting is called The Charming Taste of Europe. The Charming Taste of Europe is a consortium of two wine regions, so the wines of Abruzzo and the sweet wines of Bordeaux, and then two groups of fruit producers who make kiwi and cherries, who are from Greece. Okay. I will not be talking about cherries or kiwis, but that is what the sort of genesis of the Charming Taste of Europe. I like this map other than the fact that Puglia is spelled wrong. Just because it shows you where Abruzzo is. (laughs) I know, I'm sorry, I just have to point that out. But I really like it. I usually try to like hide the Puglia, but you can't really hide Puglia here if you want to see Abruzzo. So um, I like this map because it shows you where Abruzzo is. So in central Italy. And uh, Abruzzo, I really do feel this, and it's not because I'm doing this presentation. It's such an unsung region in in terms of its beauty and food and wine and everything related to it. So I don't know, oh, sorry. Okay, so this is another map of Abruzzo, just so you see. This is, uh, you can see the Gran Sasso, you can see the Maiella mountain over here, and then you see how close it is to the Adriatic Sea. So when you think of Abruzzo, it's kind of these like long, um, long stripes. So there's the stripe that's near the coast, then there's this middle coastal band, then there's this middle band, and then there's the mountains, right? So the, the central Apennines that run right down Abruzzo. And in terms of history, it's a very, very old region. So it's, you know, we have texts from Pliny the Elder, and they've had wine production for many, many years. Wine production started on the coast, and then it moved up towards, towards actually, I'm sorry, it started in the mountains, and then it moved down towards, towards the coast. And the most significant part of uh, Abruzzo agriculture is winemaking, so grape growing. And they make about 3.5 million hectoliters each year. And of that, 80% is DOC. Um, I'm not going to be talking about the DOCGs too much today uh, in Abruzzo. I'm really just talking about the DOC wines, okay? Because that's the consortium that I'm representing. 
So just to kind of facts and figures, there are around 200 private wineries in Abruzzo. There are 40 co-ops. Cooperatives are very important in the landscape of uh, viticulture in Abruzzo. You may know that cooperatives account for 55% of Italian viticulture in general. So people don't talk about co-ops a lot, but it's a huge part of Italian viticulture. So 55% within Italy in general and uh, 40 co-ops in Abruzzo. So there are 32 in the Chieti province. There are four provinces in Abruzzo. There are two DOCGs in this area. One is Montepulciano d'Abruzzo Colina Ceramana, and the other is a recent one. It's called Tulum Oltere Tolesi. And then there are seven DOCs, uh, which we'll be talking about a few of them today, not all of them, and then seven IGT wines. And Okay, so let's talk about the geography here. So there are two regions. So there's the mountains, and it has at the Apennines' highest peak is in Abruzzo, in the Gran Sasso, and 65% of the region is mountains. There's no other region in Europe that is like Abruzzo. 30% of the territory is natural parks. I know Pat wants to go hiking there. It will definitely send you there in one way or another. I get somebody who'd give you all that information. And then there's the Adriatic Sea. So we really have everything here in Abruzzo. And Luca Venturelli, who all of you know, who works for Colangelo, always talks about how he or his friends were skiing and looking at the at the Mediterranean, you know, at the at the Adriatic when they were skiing, which is just an amazing idea that you can be skiing in the mountains and looking at the Adriatic. So the climate here is mild, um, thanks to this Adriatic, you know, facing the Adriatic side. Of course, it gets cooler and more continental as we go up into the Apennines. There's lots of good rainfall, lots of sunshine, and most of the area has this kind of mild climate because a lot of the viticulture is done close to the coast. But there are these very imposing mountains that we know about, the Gran Sasso and the Maella um, mountain region. Okay, so before we talk about this, now we're going to try and see if we can get Davide who is from the Wines of Abruzzo Consortium on Zoom. Welcome everybody. It's a, it's a great pleasure to be, to be here with you. Uh, I'm sure that uh, not in New York now, but I hope to, to come back uh, to the US um, at the beginning uh, of uh, February. Um, my name is Davide Acerna and uh, I work for the Consortium for the Protection of Abruzzo Wines, uh, that uh, is the main organization uh, in Abruzzo, which protects and promotes the wines from my region. The Consortium is a non-profit association founded in 2002 and represents more or less uh, than 70% uh, of the producers uh, from our region. Uh, Abruzzo, it's a, it's, a, it's a small region. Uh, we are in the center south of Italy on the Atlantic coast, but uh, it's, it's a small region. But we are we, we represent uh, a, a big wine region because uh, Abruzzo is uh, is the fifth region for the production of the wines uh, in Italy. So we have. Uh, um, a great history about the wine uh, in, uh, in our region um, that starts from uh, the Romans that spoke uh, about the high point of uh, the wines uh, from, uh, 
from our region. Um, during uh, uh, the long, this long time, uh, um, many, many things are changing, uh, and uh, Abruzzo is quite growing and uh, uh, quite producing. Uh, in the last, uh, particularly in the last uh, ten years, uh, has seen uh, a great uh, development. Uh, it is for many reasons. Uh, but uh, first of all, the, uh, for the decision to focus uh, on native grape varieties uh, like uh, the, the little selection, selection that uh, you, are, uh, you are tasting uh, today, and uh, also because uh, we we had uh, a new generation of producers uh, uh, who have valorized uh, the, the territory. And uh, uh, they represent a new hope of uh, the wines uh, from uh, from Abruzzo, and uh, also because uh, uh, there is no there is a Norwegian in Europe like Abruzzo, where more than 30% of the territory is protected uh, by many, many national parks, and uh, we have four parks about 68 natural reserves and protected areas. So um, we have an incredible biodiversity, biodiversity. and uh, I hope uh, uh, that you can come uh, to Abruzzo uh, as soon as possible in the future and see our region with, uh, with uh, your eyes. Because uh, uh, we have an incredible territory uh, with uh, the sea big mountains, uh, waterfall rivers, ancient villages and uh, in this territory uh, the vineyards has found the best condition for the growth of great quality grapes. Uh, um, I hope that uh, you can enjoy uh, our wines and uh, what, what, uh, what can, I can say uh, today uh, you are tasting uh, our main DOC uh, you, you are, uh, I think that you, you are starting with uh, um, Trebbiano and, uh, and Pecorino that are our uh, white indigenous uh, grape uh, and uh, followed by uh, Cerasuola Buzzo is, uh, is our rosé wine, is the wine uh, of, uh, of the heart for also people, uh, we, we, uh, we love uh, very, very much this, uh, this wine. And uh, followed by uh, Monte Buccion Abruzzo, of course, that is uh, uh, our main DOC, is the, the, the wine of the region. That uh, we are known for this, uh, for this wine, and I hope that you, you can enjoy. So, uh, good tasting. I hope uh, that uh, uh, you meet as soon as possible. Thank you so much. Thank you, Gavin. So I just wanted to mention that there are, as I said, four provinces, and the largest is Chieti, which accounts for 75% of, of the vineyards and 83% of the production. And there's Pescara, Teramo, and Lapula. Um, so four provinces. As I mentioned before, 36,000 hectares of vineyards, and Montepulciano, as we know, is the largest uh, planted grape in Abruzzo, and around 17,000 hectares. 
and then followed by Trapiano, then Pecorino, Passerino, Cocciola, and Montonico. And what I love about Abruzzo is all of these indigenous varieties. You never see Cabernet or Merlot or anything like that. Not that there's anything wrong with Cabernet or Merlot. Please don't get me wrong. I love Cabernet and Merlot. But in Italy, I like to drink wines made from native grapes. So I love this photo. This is called the Trabocchi. And they do these fishing nets that are uh, along the coast. And it's this famous 33-mile stretch of beach which runs from Ortona to Vasto, which is at the bottom of Abruzzo. And it's the name of these fishing nets. Um, so just really beautiful. And I took the train all the way down the coast and saw these little. Did you do the same? Yeah, it's really, really interesting. And actually, someone here is from Abruzzo. He is from Abruzzo. So we have a local representative, which is great. And I, I have this slide just to show you where Ortona is and then Vasto at the bottom. So that's the, what's called the Trabocchi Coast. So trellising and Abruzzo is all the, well, not all, but widely uh, the Abruzzo Pergola. 80% of the vineyards are done that way. Then there's some cordon trained or squared cordon. And of course, some Guillot. Gianni Mascherelli brought Guillot to Abruzzo. Here we are again, another photo just to see Gran Sasso, the Maella, Pescara, uh, all these Oh, and this slide, the reason I have this slide is, see all these, uh, the Sangro, the Piscata, those are all rivers. So not only does Abruzzo have mountains, the sea, they also have enormous amounts of rivers and water sources, which is also really interesting. So the first grape that you're tasting, the first wine you're tasting, is made from Pecorino. Pecorino was almost extinct in the 20th century, but now there are significant plantings both in Limarque and Abruzzo. It's a low-yielding grape, but pretty uh, resistant to fungal diseases, and it does really well at altitude. Um, it's a really lovely structured wine, and the one that you're tasting is Podere Costantini, Antonio, and it's a really historic winery in this region, which was started in 1910, and they're located between the Gran Sasso and the sea, so they have this kind of climate cradle you know, in their, in their vineyards, and they are located in the province of Pescara, and the family still works the land. They have uh, many uh, lines of wine, so it's a pretty big winery. They're a significant uh, producer, and this is, of course, a member of the family, which is why I have this photo. So that's the first wine in your glass, the Pecorino. And um, Abruzzo DLC Pecorino Superiore, this is 2020. And it's 100% pecorino, it's hand harvested, selected grapes. The alcohol is not low for a white wine. I'm sure you noticed that when we were tasting it. It's 13.5. And the soils here are what they call, you know, um, mixed soils. They always say impasto misto, you know, which um, is like different elements in the soils, including some clay. And this particular wine rests on its fine leaves for four to five minutes. I don't know if you get that. I haven't tasted it today yet, um, but you get that kind of textural feeling, I would imagine. So this is the first wine. Um, second wine that we'll be tasting, and I'm just gonna get through this too, and then we'll have our pasta, um, is Trabiano d'Abruzzo, so the grape. It's a grape variety that dates back to the 16th century, and it's been talked about for many years. It's a medium to late harvest grape, uh, there, Traviano d'Abruzzo has great acidity, it's very delicate. So many people have tended to kind of, you know, uh, dismiss Traviano as a great variety, but it's Traviano d'Abruzzo I think is, is lovely. I see Charles nodding, I think you feel the same way about Traviano d'Abruzzo. Um, 
And the Trebbiano d'Abruzzo DOC covers the same area as the Montepulciano DOC, uh, but not the western part of, of Abruzzo. So to be a Trebbiano uh, d'Abruzzo DOC, you can be a blend of Trebbiano d'Abruzzo and, and or Trebbiano Toscano. So um, the wine that you're tasting though is a hundred, the second wine that you're tasting is a hundred percent Trebbiano d'Abruzzo. Yeah, I think it's superior if you know it is, but they definitely know it is. Um, I think about that, we can be sure. And what I really love about this particular comment about Trebbiano d'Abruzzo is it can be grown in hilly or plateau soils, but not above an altitude of 500 meters above sea level, or 600 meters above sea level if the exposure is to the south, which is very particular. I mean, you know, I've looked at a lot of denominations and the rules, and I just find that very particular. So. They pay a lot of attention to their Trebbiano d'Abruzzo. So I also love this slide because look at that. You're, I mean, you're up in this vineyard and there is the sea right, right in front of you. So really lovely region. So everyone I'm sure knows Tenute Agricole Masciarelli, very, very famous producer from uh, Abruzzo. So Gianni Masciarelli founded the winery in uh, 1981. He had a passion for wine, which he honed when he was a kid, you know, in vineyards with his grandfather, Umberto. He was very innovative. He spent a summer in Champagne. He fell in love with French varieties and French winemaking. And he brought both French oak barrels to Abruzzo. He also brought Bouillot and many uh, traditions. And <clears throat> unfortunately, Gianni passed away in 2008. He was only 52. Wow. Yeah, he's a nice man. I had met him too. When he was pretty young, he was only 52, but the winery continues. It's run by his wife, Marina Cevic, Cevic, Tick, uh, and their daughter, Miriam Lee, and they have uh, about 60 parcels. They're a very, very big winery here in, in Abruzzo, and welcome. I'm happy you're both here. Don't worry. I just started recently. Hello. Um, <clears throat> so there's a lot of biodiversity in their, in their fields, and... Um, but they're also, they're, their parcels are so big that they've got kind of that natural protection because of the size of their parcels. So Macharelli is a really, really, really well-known producer here who's been credited with a lot of changes all over Abruzzo. So the wine that you're tasting is um, the line that's dedicated to his wife, Marina, and it's a Trebbiano d'Abruzzo DOC Reserva. And this is 100% Trebbiano d'Abruzzo, and it's 14.5 alcohol. Uh, they are located in the Chieti province. Their training trellising system, as I had mentioned, is Pergola Abruzzese. They farm sustainably. And the vineyards are pretty high up, so they're at 750 feet uh, to 1,070. Um, and this does ferment in wood, which I'm sure you taste. Uh, and then it spells 12 months in the French oak, and then um, 12 more months in the ground. So you're tasting a 2020 and a 2019. So 2020, it was apparently a beautiful vintage here in Abruzzo, mild winter, regular spring and summer, which is what you want, of course. Um, and then, uh, you know, it had a little bit of falling off, but, you know, it, apparently it was a really great vintage. 2019 was a more complicated vintage. Uh, it had cold and rainy weather in April and May, and then it also had some problems in July. But it picked up at the end September and October. We know really the vintage is, is you know made in September, how things 
workout. So these are the two vintages that you're tasting and we're gonna be tasting some other wines from these two years, which is why I just wanted to mention something about it. I have to say, um, there is no Talamonti Rosé. So you're going to be tasting the other Rosé from Valori. So um, as I mentioned, I don't have the Talamonti wine today with us, but I do have a wonderful Cerasuolo uh, from Valori and we have our first Montepulciano. So Montepulciano is the second most widely planted grape in Italy. The most widely planted red grape, uh, second most widely planted red grape. Do we know what the first most widely planted red grape is? Sangiovese, we all pass. Okay, um, so Montepulciano is a late ripening grape. Uh, it brings a lot of color and tannin and alcohol and acidity and as we know it can produce either easy drinking wines or ones to lay down. So a lot of variation among the uh, wines that you get from this great grape variety. And some of the aromas that you, you know, black and red fruit, mineral, spice, tar, sometimes meaty. Sometimes I find up minerality and herbal notes in Montepulciano as well. So, the first wine that you're, uh, well, the third, your third wine is a Cerasuolo uh, d'Abruzzo DOC. So this is a DOC that was created in 2010. It's a Rosato wine. It, the DOC was created in 2010, but this is a historic uh, type of wine made in Abruzzo. It's not a wine that they've been making because Rosé is a trend. They've always made Cerasuolo. It's beautiful. Oh, that's great. I'm really happy to hear that. So as we know, uh, to make a risotto in this way, it's a short skin maceration, usually around 24 hours. But Cerezuolo, if you look at the color of this Cerezuolo, it's kind of a bigger, more structured wine than many of the uh, rosés, certainly. But even then, some of the other risotto wines, I'm thinking of Chiaretto, from Valtenesi or from the Valdolino area or even some rosés from Puglia can be very, very structured. Um, but this one is a kind of a nice balance. I think it's just a beautiful color. And this wine is being served chilled. Uh, you could also serve it not chilled, but I think it's better chilled. So that's why it's chilled. And this is not from Talamonti, uh, so I'm skipping over that. This wine that you're tasting is from Valori. So this is Luigi Valori. So apparently Luigi Valori is a famous, former famous soccer star from Ascoli Piceno, who in the 1970s played for Ascoli in the Serie A. And when his, his football career was over, his soccer career was over, he dedicated himself to winemaking. So um, they are actually organically certified, and this is something that I wanted to talk about too. So in Abruzzo, not only do we have white risottos and red wines. We also have a number of organic producers and the next two wines that we're tasting are both organic, certified organic, which we know in Italy is hard because it takes at least three years to become certified. So they have 14 hectares of vineyards here, uh, Luigi Valori, he started the winery in 1996 and Gianni Masciarelli was a real influence on Valori. So much so, in fact, that this wine, the Valori wines, are distributed by the Masciarelli group. They have a distribution. Um, and interestingly, the <clears throat> grapes here are grown on sandy soil. So that's the first winery that we've seen that grows their grapes in sandy soils. Um, so the wine itself is 100% Montepulciano d'Abruzzo. 
the winery, the vineyards are 300 meters above sea level, as I said, 24-hour skin contact. They are, this is Guyo trellising. They have it obviously clipped the top of the Guyo, as we see here, um, and they are organically certified. So the second wine that you'll be tasting, the fourth, I'm sorry, the fourth wine is Montepulciano da Bruzza DLC. The DLC was awarded to Montepulciano in 1968, so they celebrated their 50th year in 2018. Most of the production, not 100%, but a lot of it is in the Chieti province. And you can make um, a wine that's a Montepulciano d'Abruzzo DOC that includes up to 50% of other red varieties. Many people, though, just use 100% Montepulciano d'Abruzzo. And there are these five subzones, which we will see a map of, and these different subzones that people who make these wines are allowed to put um, on their labels. Um, Reserve wines must age 24 months, nine of which in the barrel, and we will be tasting some of those today. So I wanted to show you this photo. So you can see those are the subzones. So as you see Pescara, and then Chieti, the larger province, and Teramo above, and Aquila. So those are the different um, the subzones, if they were overlaid. And then this, the fourth wine is by Francesco Cirelli. Francesco Cirelli is kind of a cult figure in Abruzzo. He's making his wines in Ampura. People talk him up a lot. He's got a bunch of different projects going. Um, he works with his wife, Michela. He brought this property in 20, uh, 2003. And uh, his, his grandparents had owned the land, and he was kind of fascinated by that. He works biodynamically. He does crop rotation on his field. So one year he plants um, fruit, the next year he plants legumes, the year after that he plants cereals, so he's very, very interesting winemaker and um, kind of, you know, his winemaking philosophy. They also have olive trees and they are, of course, near a natural preserve, which as David has said, they're about 60 or 68, I think he said 68 in Abruzzo, so it's not so hard to be close to a natu uh, nature preserve. So this is Francesco Cirelli, and these are his amphora. And he has them made in Tuscany. So in Pruneta, it's really famous for the terracotta that they make there. And that's where <laughs> Francesco Cirelli has uh, his amphora made. He has his 800 liter capacity, but they have a stainless steel closure, which of course they didn't, you know, in Roman times, but he, he makes them that way. And he does the whole nine yards with biodynamic viticulture. So, you know, the cow horn manure are planted at, you know, the right time of the year. Uh, he has animals grazing on his property. And I took this picture, which to me looks like, you know, uh, Leonardo or something, but it's a real picture of, um, of these sheep that are grazing on his farm. And the wine that you're tasting is a Montepulciano d'Abruzzo. It's 2019, it's uh, organically certified. Um, he plants Guyo and uh, his soils are clay and limestone. And this is, of course, done in stainless steel uh, aging and, and um, the amphora too. And they, of course, he uses indigenous yeast. And now, a word from our sponsor. Looking to be in the know about Dracaena wines? Want to be the first to know about our new releases and special offers? All you need to do is sign up for our newsletter. There is no commitment necessary, and I promise you we won't spam your mailbox with loads of messages. Need another reason to sign up? Quite possibly the best reason? You'll immediately get a discount code for 10% off your first purchase and be privy to newsletter-only discounts. 
Let Dracina Wines turn your moments into great memories. Visit our website, www.dracinawines.com, or use the link in show notes to sign up. It will take you less than a minute, but the rewards will last a lifetime. I'm going to start with Juan, and then I'm going to pass over to Gino, who's going to talk about the winery that he represents. <laughs> so, um, wine number five is from Cantina Fintana. Um, it's a cooperative, so I'm really happy that we have an example of a cooperative in our tasting today. He's got the and this cooperative was founded in 1958. As I uh, mentioned at the very start of my presentation, there are about 40 co-ops in Abruzzo. 32 of them are in um, the Chieti province. So this was created by many small family businesses. They have together, so there are 500 uh, vignerons, viticulturists, and they have about a thousand hectares, so you know, a long extension of vineyards. And they are uh, between the Mayela Mountains and the, the Costa of Trabocchi. Remember those fishing nets that I showed you? Um, and one really wonderful thing is they're very focused on sustainability. And from October of 2020, all the energy that they use in their winemaking is from renewable sources. So I think that's pretty impressive. And they are the largest producer of this indigenous grape, which unfortunately we're not tasting today, but I just want to mention, because I like to pronounce it, Cococciola, which is from this area, which I think is so fun, Cococciola. Um, and they also have this really interesting tower that they created in the 1960s as their headquarters. And they created this tower that works from gravity, which, as we know, is the way a lot of wineries now work, but they have been doing this since the 1960s. And they're about to merge with another co-op. So this is uh, a wine that we're tasting that's from a co-op, the only one, I think, in our life today. And it's a Multiple Channel de Bruto Reserva. It's called Rubesto, and it's 2017. And it's 100% Multiple Channel. And it comes from their kind of the best of their best you know, areas. And it's picked, of course, they have a team of agronomists, as co-ops usually do, um, clay soils. and. As you will see in the glass, this spends a bunch of time in oak, which you can certainly taste, and then some more time in the bottle. Um, but I think it's a really nice expression of Mokbochano and what we will be tasting with our soup, which we will be eating in a minute, I think. And the last winery is Poderi Castorani, and I have this little slide, but since we have someone who can actually speak with authority, let's have him speak about it. You don't have to read my slide. It's interesting as a They have to be here, first of all, I am an ambassador. Basically, I moved 40 years ago from Italy and from Parolo, from Piedmont, but I work for a few of Italian wineries here in New York. And one of them is Podere Castorani. So I'm very happy to be here and talk about this uh, important winery in Abruzzo. And Padre uh, Castorani has a long history behind because uh, it, uh, basically it dates back to uh, uh, 1793. It was uh, one of the first and big uh, wineries that started to make wine in the region, but as always happened in that, uh, sometimes. So uh, basically the property was abandoned after uh, basically a battle between different areas. So, uh, one property was abandoned for a long time, and 
uh, what happened? Happened that a Formula One racer, which is uh, who is called uh, Jano Trulli, and who is from Alanno, Alanno is uh, the town where the wine is based, it goes to Pescara. Basically, at the end of his career, he decided to invest money in this territory and to bring back to life that big property. So uh, he bought it and he completely restored uh, it. Uh, due to his, uh, thanks to his team of uh, engineers in Formula 1, they built a very big new and modern facility and they start to make once again and performing a completely organic uh, certified uh, The wines we have here in this market are from Federica Storani, are four. We have Cipollino, we have a Ceravolo, a Brutto, we have a Montepulciano, and we have also this one that we are drinking now, which is a, a reserve. It's a Montepulciano from La Cataria, 2015. Um, the wine world in Abruzzo changed a lot and grew during the past few years, and especially during the last 30 30 years. Uh, think about the fact that Pecorino, for example, has been, uh, has been bring back to life with a DOC appellation 30 years ago, when Poderica first started to work again. Um, the wine that you are drinking is 100% Montepulciano from um, uh, the area around Alamo and uh, in the Pescara province. Um, as Sudan uh, said before, it's true because also when I went there, the owner, uh, Yahoo told me that it's very easy in that part of the region going to pee in the morning and having the aperitivo on the beach uh, in the evening. So saying that means that there is a very particular climate and weather condition. Uh, we have the, 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 the warm breeze from the sea, but at the same time the Magella and the Alpenino chain that basically uh, is like a wall from the, that repairs the area from the cold winter. Um, what makes this wine very particular? First, uh, first of all, the fact that uh, it's a late harvest. So, Montepulciano is generally harvest in October, but in this case, to make this wine, uh, the harvest took place uh, the first week of November, when we have uh, uh, lots of sugar and, a and more aroma and flavor in the grape that help the wines to have this kind of complexity and also a little higher uh, alcohol content. And then, is the way that we make it. Uh, we, we have a very long skin fermentation, over, uh, over uh, 24, 30 days of skin fermentation to extract all the color and the aroma, and then we have a very long aging. Uh, when, I, when I say long, I mean uh, about 15, uh, about 12 months in April, followed by, followed by 6 months in Tennessee uh, month. And followed again uh, about 15 months in bottle before, before being released. And the other thing that you can see on the label, on the bottle, and on, on, the, on your menu, is the fact that it's called Reserva Casa. Reserva, because it takes for more than 24 months, is the minimum uh, that the law requires to be called Reserva, and Casaglia, because uh, it's one of the sub-zones of, uh, of the area of Cascara. And that is so, so interesting, because that shows how this area is growing and trying to make wines uh, as best, uh, and give uh, a single denomination for uh, each area of the, of the region trying to fix all the best of, this, of the region 
of the area in a level. In this case, Casalia is shaded to have a, a very rich soil, uh, clay, okay, no, marl, and sand. It's really in a good, good, in a good mix. It's got a lot of fun. And uh, so they're very different from uh, our denomination. Okay? So, thank you for listening to me. Thank you for listening to my key questions. Thanks for that. <laughs> and uh, enjoy the wine. Um, I didn't know you were going for a Formula One racer, so we have a bunch of different kinds of Italian things here, right? Soccer, Formula One, so that's great. And um, they also have a lot of these old cement vats in this in this winery, so that's very exciting, I think. And I just wanted to talk about for a second the harvest, because you're tasting a 2017 and a 2015. So 2017, in terms of the harvest, which is the, the wine number five, was hot and dry, there was frost in the spring, and then spring, summer, and fall, so we saw really high temperatures. So 2017 was a pretty hot vintage, and you know each producer depends how they work their hot vintage, meaning you know, how well they're able to handle uh, the grapes that come in from such a hot vintage. The harvest was earlier than usual, and it rained late in the season, which does help Montepulciano, which is a very late ripening grape. So that's the 2017 harvest. The 2015 harvest, on the other hand, was a very good, outstanding year. They had spring rains, the summer was kind of warm and grain free. There's some stress on, on the vineyards, but generally it was uh, harvest that was a little earlier than other years, and it's a very good year for reds, both here in Abruzzo and also uh, in Montalcino. I mean, in um, Montalcino. So I just wanted to mention those two things. Well, and then we're going to move to France. But you know, we're going to be finishing our time in Abruzzo with these, these last two wines. In 20, uh, 2009, and these wines have a little bit of a higher level of sugar than you might see in other wines. So you require them? Yeah. So we're taking three. So I want you to think of these wines from Bordeaux that can be paired with uh, a dessert, or it could be paired with cheese, or it could be paired with spicy foods, or many other things. I'm sure Joyce and Melissa can come up with some great recipe suggestions, and Sylvia, all chefs. And, uh, people who are great at pairing. Um, so uh, the sweet Bordeaux comes from an area of Bordeaux between the two rivers, so the Garonne and the Citron, and the Entre-de-Mer appellation. <laughs> and there are eight AOCs here. I'm not going to mention all of them. We are going to be tasting wines from two of them, or well, three of them, really, but Cadillac uh, and Lupiac. And then Tomia Cote de Bordeaux. I was a Francophile before I became an Italophile. So my first love was 100% France. And then I went on this trip to Italy and I saw all these amazing Italians and you know the. So Cagliac is the first one that we're tasting and it's an AOC that was created so in 1972 in the heart of Tomia Cote de Bordeaux. And it's a sweet wine that comes from the hillsides on the right bank of the Garonne. And the, you know everything is very uh, highly regulated, and these are box-sized grapes, so um, you know every grape is selected uh, individually. And uh, this is the first wine that we're tasting. It's called Puy du Chêne, which means uh, oak. So there's some oak on this, and this is the family. I love this picture of them. And this is 100% Simeon. This wine. Um, 
and these are very old vines actually, so they're about 70 years, uh, 60 years old, and you know, everything is hand sorted, and this spends 12, month, 12 months in oak barrels. And it's David uh, Gab, and I think this is a really uh, beautiful version of a sweet wine of Bordeaux. It's a 2019, we know about the 2019 vintage because I spoke about it before. Um, but you know, these are interesting wines that you can pair in different ways. Perhaps it's a little strange after all of these Abruzzo wines that we've tasted, but perhaps it's pleasant palate cleansing. So we are tasting three wines uh, from Sweet Bordeaux, and then we have wine number two from Sweet Bordeaux, which is from the Chateau Fayet. And it's a Premier Côte de Bordeaux, and it's a 2019. And this is a blend of 70% Sauvignon and 30% Sauvignon Blanc. So now we kind of see what the addition of Sauvignon Blanc does to one of these sweeter wines. And this is a very old estate, which was mentioned for the first time in 1711. Um, this is, uh, the family is called the Medivine family, and they have a very large property, so they have 85 hectares. And they've been making wine since 1826. Uh, so a long, proud tradition of making sweet, ostracized wines. <laughs> and the vineyards are south-facing. And the soils in all of these vineyards that we're tasting are kind of, you know, a variety of clay and gravel. And um, these are, they have uh, different plantings here. But I guess my larger point is these are all kind of these three white grapes. Varieties, a different blend, a different mixture, um, lots of size grapes. And while these are not so termed, these are equally, I think, prestigious sweet wines that you can think about for a different place on your table and at a very different price point. They thought they were too good for me. So I hope that you enjoy this addition to our table after those wines really. And the third one that we're chosen is from Lupiak. And it's primarily made from Simeon. And as we know, again, Noble Rock and the Grapes. And in terms of Lupiak, it's about 40 kilometers south of Bordeaux. These are you know, gravelly, chalky soils. And only wines in this very small appellation can be called uh, Lupiak. So, like this is a 2017 vintage. The other two were the 2019 vintage. Um, it's a small-ish property of 26 hectares. They have clay and limestone soils. This is again a blend. It's a 90% Seminole and 10% Seminole. Again, older vines of 45 years. Hand-picked um, again. And you know, I love the fact that they comment on how these wines are real alchemy between the fruit, the sugar, and the acidity. And I think that's true of all of these three wines, this sort of balancing act that they all try to play between this mix of different, uh, not only varieties, but even what they're looking for. So if it's acidity, a little bit of sweetness, and um, you know, the alcohol and the sugar all blended together. Uh, I'm sorry that these come at the end of this whole explanation of Abruzzo because you know I could speak it's about the wine of Bordeaux for 45 minutes to an hour. And I know how much bananas and I love sweet wines. I'm a huge sweet wine fan. I love sweet wines because I have a sweet tooth. I mean, I, just because I think well, what, what I have a real taste of the table. 
What do you, when you're sitting at home chilling, which you don't have time to do, what do you pair your sweet wine with? Well, if I had any time to chill at home between my jobs and my seven-year-old, I, know, I would be saying. chilling with some sweet wine and cheese. Yes. Yes. Okay. Or nuts. Jesus. Jesus. Yeah, that's just the cheese or not. Okay. Just the cheese, no crackers, no honey, no chutney, no mixture, no anything. But that is what I would have with sweet wine. Well, you were in, um, you, went, you went to, did you go yeah, to visit Yeah, I was here? just there in September and I, I visited uh, Fayou. Mm -hmm. Incredible family. Um, yeah. Been making wines for like. Forever. 200 years, right, exactly. beautiful property. I think they're on like their 177th vintage. But what was really cool is we did like an Asian food pairing right. with wine. Like we did Japanese food paired like right yes. from appetizers all the way through desserts. Mm -hmm. And it was fantastic. Good job. Yeah, no, I actually, that's kind of the food that I think would pair best with these wines. It was a blend of like a spicy Japanese. Yeah. And yeah. it was really yeah. great. We had a great time. I loved blowing away all the wines. I loved all the wines. I was really came away with a different impression. Impression. A different impression in the sense you don't need to spend a lot. You don't need to spend some, you know, the cam and you know, like, like you don't need to spend those prices. Like these were all like fifteen dollar bottles. Exactly a year ago, Melissa and Johnny. I put together eight different salt charts from Barside across America, and I did eight different blue cheeses from France, Italy, United States, and maybe another country. And I thought it was just amazing the pairing. I did a little video on it, just, just kind of ran through the uh, eight wines and then went back and did eight different. Blue cheeses, as I mentioned, and just a couple of things about sweet wines from Bordeaux. As a category, probably they're the longest-lived wines made in the world. And you know, I'm not dismissing Tokai. Okay, just be fair. Uh, but anyone would be hard-pressed to put a, any red wine in the world up against the longevity of what Sauternes and Barsac and and these lesser-known regions, Lupiac, Cadillac, etc., etc are capable of doing. I mean, I've had 30 and 40 year old Lupiac, I've had 30 and 40 year old Cadillac, and they were absolutely amazing. And what's the magic? It's the acidity. And what really happens talking about how can you love these wines is the freshness. The freshness, they leave your mouth crystal clear, and if you just wait literally one minute, you don't have any cloyness in your mouth, and it's you're ready to come back more and of course I'm not going to sell this program to everyone but if you love acid the way I love acid uh, then boom so uh, we've come to the end of our wine selection here thank you happy this has been another episode of exploring the wine glass thanks for listening if you have suggestions on what topics you would like me to discuss, please reach out on social media. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook as Exploring the Wine Glass. I am also on LinkedIn as Lori Hoytbud. Of course, you can always email me at exploringthewineglass at gmail.com. 
If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe to help others find me more easily. And most importantly, tell your wine-loving friends, because if you like the podcast, they will too. Music is Wine by Kevens. Until next week, slancha. You are so special, you even in